0: Wheel of Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there. Welcome to the Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. Uh, My name is Jeff Lake.
1: I'm Alice Sullivan.
0: And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're going to cover book two
2: of the Wheel of Time, the beginning of it, The Great Hunt. Uh, Previously, our brave fellowship faced numerous evil creatures and eldritch horrors. They traveled the tainted ways to save us numerous chapters of boring travel time, Mm -hmm. crossed the nightmarish hellscape of the Blight. To arrive at Mount Doom upon the doorstep of he who must not be named, then in an epic hero kind of thing, uh, Rand just fights and kills the Lord of Darkness. That was yeah. it. Yeah, he just he just killed the de- the devil. Kills him with a sword. So yeah, kills him with a sword, and now things are seem like they're pretty tied up pretty neatly. I mean. They find the the horns, so I'm not even sure why there's 13 more books. I think we're mm-hmm. I think it's done. Yeah, it's 13 books of them just going home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just the uh, making their way back to the the two rivers because the devil's dead. Yeah, nice work, guys. So this is
0: out. we're gonna call it season two of the Dragon Reread, because we're covering the book two of the Wheel of Time.
2: So we got this book. We got new art. Yeah, as with any book, we should always judge a book by its cover. So right as the naturally, goes. yeah. Uh, I have
1: to say I did not like this art nearly as much as I liked on the Eye of the World. It felt very dated to me.
0: Yeah. I think it's the same artist, right? It's uh, Daryl K. Sweet. Yeah, that's the same guy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Cover art designed by Carol Russo. But it's
0: the composition is not as cool. The first one has that awesome, like land and moraine riding in front of the moon with the giant moon behind them and looking
2: all cool. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, this is isn't this from this the scene from the previous book? The scene? No. Mm, okay. Okay. No? All right. I didn't know if this was them outside of the eye of the because world. Because this, this book,
0: now this, this cover has at least one character we have not met before. Oh, it
2: does? Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, there's somebody holding a horn there, and I was trying to figure out who that is. And I just I figured don't it was think Rand. I don't think we've met him yet, because Rand doesn't have a horn.
2: I think that's supposed to be Rand.
1: Oh, is it? Yeah.
2: Well, that's, that's the horn, you know, because the great hunt is the hunt for the horn. Which they found, by the way, again... Yeah. That's the end, right? Like, the great hunt. They found the horn. Yay! <laughs> it's in that box we got at the end of the last <laughs> book. <Yeah. clears throat> nice work, guys. High fives are on. Let's go home.
1: And uh, I guess that's supposed to be loyal
2: there. Yeah. Because he's
1: got the ears. But,
2: but his eyebrows are all wrong.
1: And he doesn't look very big. He doesn't.
2: He's, it's it's, he, a, it's tricky because of perspective, right? Well, he honestly, with perspective, he looks about
0: the same size as Rand. Yeah, no, you're right. He's supposed to be gigantic. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Like twice the size. And
0: there's all those sneaky Trollocs all around. Oh. (laughs) Because that's what Trollocs do. do. They're
2: They're always sneaking. And
1: somebody who I'm assuming is supposed to be Moraine, even though she doesn't look anything like she did on the cover of The Eye of the World, but she's wearing this really cheesy blue Mm -hmm. dress. I thought it was Egwene,
2: actually. Is it? I think we'll discover who that is. Oh, okay. Okay. We don't know her yet. Because Moraine is blonde, right? No, she's got dark hair. She does? Okay.
1: But whoever it is, she's definitely got the, like, 80s curls going on there. It's... (laughs) <laughs> and she looks like she's wearing my grandmother's night nightdress. To be honest,
0: <laughs> that was a very fetching look. And uh, well, I, I was about to say 1992 whenever this book came out, but I, what I meant was the third age. <laughs>
1: the copyright is 1990, which was essentially still the 80s.
2: Wait, copyright? That's the same as the last one. I don't know. They're, they're, yeah, they were yeah. He wrote them and released them on the same day.
1: Copyright oh, yeah. 1990 by Bandersnatch Group. Really? Yeah, <laughs> I love it.
2: The Great it's, Hunt by Bandersnatch Group.
1: The, the Furmius Bandersnatch trying yeah. to shun it.
0: So, I mean, it's okay. It's, it's fantasy art. Uh, it's not... I always wonder how much information they give the artist about the book. Do they read the book? Or do they just tell him, kind of, you know, we need a guy that looks
2: like this, and we need a dude that looks like this. I was thinking the same thing as I was looking at this. Is I, I wonder if Robert Jordan signed off on this, or was just like, this is the art we're putting on your book. And he's like, oh, alright, Fine. Yeah, he doesn't have any control over that, right?
1: And this, but I think this book actually came out after he was dead because on the back they list the entire series up through book fourteen, and I believe he passed away when he was writing book twelve, The Gathering Storm.
0: Oh, uh, okay.
1: Yeah, so but Robert this... Jordan was beyond caring about the cover art. I think
0: it's true. This, this... Well, this
2: is my copy is very old, and it's the same art. Yeah, I was going to oh, say the the, the cover mind. art is I think has yeah, not probably. changed. Yeah. Oh,
1: okay, I guess it's just a reprint.
2: <laughs> uh, also, I. Am I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to tell, but that sword doesn't look right, right? I mean, that's Rand's sword is... It, don't I don't forget. see
0: a heron on the handle. Yeah, I mean... Yeah,
2: it, it's just sort of a generic fantasy guy, you know? Yeah, with a generic fantasy uh, I think he has the right color cloak, and that's what oh, really that. matters. <laughs> and he does have a heron on his shirt for some reason. Oh, though. is that what a heron looks like? Yeah, that's a heron. <laughs> Although, I, I I don't remember at any point him having a heron shirt. He has heron on lots of other things, but... I mean, at least they, they got the... That theme in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he's a really nice belt. What is on that belt?
1: Emeralds, yo. A,
2: that, is, that must be a tremendously expensive belt. I
1: mm-hmm. feel like the scene is something that's going to show up later on. It
2: must be. Yes. Yeah. This is a representative scene from the book. Okay. Okay. It's a, a, a particular moment. All right. Uh, so, in the book, there's a map... Yeah. Oh, man, it's a
0: full-color map on ours. Do you have a full-color map? No, I don't have a full-color map. Mm. Oh, wait, no, I do, actually, on the inside of this thing. It's really nice, right? That's yeah. a good map. Yeah. I mean, this is a, a comprehensive map. At least the the lined map has a lot more stuff on it. It has all the stuff you need to understand their travels from the last book. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, they, they never really had that map the map thing settled properly yeah. in the last book.
0: Well, I guess that's kind of the point, right? They're,
2: they're lost. Yeah, they do get lost a bit, don't they? Mm-hmm.
1: It's almost like they're in like France because you've got the the Alps off to the side. You've got the the grassy area in the middle, the Cairnheen grass, mm-hmm. grass I think. Yeah, but yes. like we said before, this is essentially just Europe, right? Of course, yeah.
0: right. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, Europe land, <laughs> right? That's what uh, fantasy authors are generally obsessed with.
2: That's so right.
1: That's very Eurocentric. Maybe.
2: There is okay. an important dedication, or not dedication, uh, quote that I wanted to. to to share with you guys, Jordan has come to dominate the world that Tolkien began to reveal. So he's, like, calling him out on it, right? (laughs) (laughs) He's basically like, oh, this this (laughs) isn't... Well, these are, you know, these are
0: professional writers. They have really good ways of saying he's ripping off Tolkien.
1: (laughs) See, I would consider that, like, a huge honor, though, because Tolkien's a super established author.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a big deal. I think that's the spirit. These books came out many decades after Tolkien, and they're not carbon copies, so... Mm -mm. They're, they're clearly like a new spin on an old topic, which is a grand tradition in all, all genres, right? Yeah. True. So I think that that's actually... It probably means exactly what it says on the face of it. This guy's writing a pretty good version of the Tolkien books.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is good stuff. To yeah, write one absorbing long like novel, that. the Eye of the World is an achievement. To write two is miraculous.
1: That is a weird quote. I never noticed it before, but the guy from the New York Times says the sense of the unavoidable onslaught of unpredictable events bear the marks of american national experience during the last three decades
2: so it's kind of co-
0: commenting on the mm. vietnam. vietnam yeah because yeah. I, I think they probably noticed what we noticed is that this is this is the lord of the rings it were written by a vietnam veteran a guy who doesn't
2: doesn't see the world as just a grand clash of good powers and bad powers yeah there's a dedication that I did want to actually talk about. Oh, okay. I'm curious about it. Uh, and I think Alice knows it too. Yeah. They came to... So he lists a long list of names for the, this dedication. And he says, They came to my aid when God walked across the water and the true eye of the world passed over my house. So it turns out, yeah, Hurricane Hugo passed over Robert Jordan's house in 1989. So he dedicated his book to all the people who helped him, I guess. <laughs> that
0: must
1: be
2: it. It sounds like that. We, we think
0: that. We looked up the hurricanes in, in Charleston, South Carolina.
1: No, we're official Robert Jordan biographers now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Breaking news about right, Robert Jordan's spouse in 1989. 1989 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, into the text. Yeah. It starts with a prologue, because
2: you can't just start with a chapter. you got to start with a prologue. Yeah, he does love his prologues. And, <laughs> you know, the, the, for the last book, the prologue was a little bit out of nowhere. This one seems at least mostly relevant to what's going on, right? I think this one adds a whole lot... Of the other side of the story. It's yeah. called In
0: the Shadow.
1: I totally agree. And I have to say, it makes me very happy that we finally have a reason for why there are dark friends at all. Because yeah. remember, we were wondering that before, because it seems like it's a terrible <laughs> it's gig right. yeah. to have.
2: Yeah, being yeah. a dark friend is like, you know, you get tortured by the dark one, and then you get sent to, to hell or whatever. So <laughs>
1: Yeah, but this time we finally find out, because oh, I hope I'm not talking ahead of what you were going to say, but no, Balzaman shows up, and he promises... Oh, this huge group of dark friends and those who serve me, faithful and steadfast, will sit at my feet above the stars in the sky and rule the world of men forever. So have I promised, and so shall it be. Without end, you shall live and rule forever. So that sounds pretty sweet to me.
2: Yeah, that's a good deal.
1: Now I understand why we have dark friends at all. Especially <laughs> if, you're,
2: if, if in this world, as it seems, the dark one's kind of winning, right? I mean, like, he's not like a long shot bet anymore, because, you know, there's... You know, there's evil everywhere. Mm-hmm. The winter lasted for a long time. Yeah. I bet it was gangbusters for him recruiting.
0: Uh, yeah, nobody knows about him, you know, yet. Even though he's in control of all this stuff, so there isn't a lot of resistance to him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah,
2: yeah, you're right. I mean now that now that I know that the Dark One's probably winning, and everyone else is going to be like cast into the pits of torture, I might go for being a Dark Friend.
0: Yeah. So we'd only really get to meet one Dark Friend in this chapter, who is Boars. And Boris seems like a real douchebag. Except his name <laughs> isn't
1: Boris, though. Yeah, remember?
0: Yeah, that's his. That's his secret name.
1: Literally, the entire time they refer to him as the man who called himself Boris, <laughs> yeah. which I found super tiresome after a while. It was like the artist <laughs> formerly known as Prince.
2: <laughs> Maybe it was Prince. We don't know at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: true. It could be. He
2: mentions that he's tall, but he like hunches himself over so no one can tell he's tall. <laughs> yeah, Is he, he goes... wearing purple? He's, he's not. He's wearing black.
1: Mm. Yes. Yeah,
2: so, you know. so
0: he's a. Yeah, so he's at this party for Dark Friends, which is sort of mysterious where it is and, and what's going on. And even the man who calls himself Bors doesn't know. But he goes on and on about how he's so careful to not let anybody know who he is, and everybody else around him, he can read them like a book because they're so careless, you know. Yeah, he sounds super douchey. Yeah, and he's, yeah, he hunches to disguise his height and he wears like a black black clothes that are just unremarkable. And he 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 hangs back and watches everybody.
1: Can I say, though, that I thought it was super cool how we were learning about all these different regional differences in this world? How he's talking about identifying these people from literally across the entire world and the clothing they wore and the houses they belong to and the way they rank themselves, which I thought was really neat. Kind of a snapshot mm-hmm. into the world.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot more than we've gotten to see so far of this world. Yeah. That's actually one thing I love about the, the stuff we've been reading from Robert Jordan is even though... He doesn't go into a lot of depth on on these things. As you're just traveling across the countryside, there's all these little hints of of a lot of history and you know just interesting interesting goings on. So mm-hmm. I kind of love that. Yeah, and uh, yeah.
0: So he's I, he's watching all the other people, and they're dark friends in this party. They've been summoned, and they're dark friends from everywhere, from all over the world. Only I notice they all seem to be
2: rich people, right? Well, I mean, like I assume that being a dark friend does have like Benefits in the world you're in, right? Well, is it is it that <laughs> Dental way? Dental
1: and medical? <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, no, more more like you know, oh, it's it's uh, you know, oh, this guy gives you this money, or you know, it's it's sure, he yeah. helps you cover up this stuff. You know, I don't know. Maybe it,
1: maybe it's a commentary like you know, only only the rich people can afford to have principles. Yeah, I wonder is
0: it that is it, yeah the one way or the other way is it are they dark only rich people become dark friends or dark friends get to be rich?
1: I don't know. Except they point out that there's. um even a tinker there, and I got the impression that the tinkers are socialists.
0: That's true; they don't care about money. I, I know in one of the earlier books, Rand I think says I expected dark friends to be horrible, poor wretches that look like crap, and you can call them out. Like clearly, that's a dark friend. So the idea of dark friends being rich and highly placed is not widespread.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But in the in the previous book, every dark friend we met, other than Patton Fain, was. Super well dressed. That was the thing, right? Yeah, they were like, all like wealthy merchants, mm-hmm. and you know, people with jeweled daggers and stuff. Yeah.
1: Can I just say though that, that the description of the scene totally made me think of the like sex orgy from Eyes Wide Shut.
2: <laughs> <laughs> A big quiet circle of people and exactly, masks. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There for some purpose. Yeah. I would not
1: be surpri- I would not have been surprised if there were people just like doing it.
2: <laughs> and then there's all the 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 serving people wandering oh, around, creepy. right?
0: Yeah, the, the there are all these. Nearly identical blonde-haired youths of both genders. That there's nothing in their eyes. Their eyes are blank. So I don't know if they're people, like, or clones, or magical constructs of some kind. Yeah, that's,
2: that's what I was wondering. Is, this like,
0: whole it's... place is creepy. This this whole place, like, doors appear and disappear, and it's a giant, intra- a, a giant celebration hall type place. But there's no windows, and the the man who calls himself Bors thinks it's like. Somebody was putting together a welcoming great hall but didn't bother with the details.
2: Yeah, it's just like they kind of made a half-assed attempt at replicating a great hall but Yeah.
0: So Boris spends some time thinking about how great he is for figuring out who these other people are <laughs> when Balzamon shows up and he is masked too. Wait, I thought he was dead. I thought he was dead. Damn, he's not dead. All right, mm. well, I guess I guess Well, have to well he, they burned him and you notice that his hands and his face are like burned now. That's true. Uh which is bad. Yeah. For him, I guess. And he comes in, and uh, he gives them all a pep talk, pretty much. Uh, he scares the crap out of them, first of all. Like, as soon as he shows up, they all, like, hit the floor. And this I thought was really cool. They've got... You know how the the, the good guys all have the sort of good guy catechism? Like, the the Dark One and all the Forsaken are bound. Bound in child Gull. Bound by the Creator at the moment of creation for yeah. all time. Blah, blah, yeah. blah.
2: They've got one, too. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It has, like, a little... They do their little chant that's like... uh Something about how everyone's gonna die except for them and they're yeah, gonna live like, forever like or something.
0: Soon soon should the Dark One come because he'll put us he will make everything great. And that, that that was neat. So there there is a whole organization and sort of a counter religion to the, the religion that's really popular in this world. Yeah. Right, of the light and stuff. So Balsamon comes in, and scares the crap out of all of them, and he tells them all to look for Rand Matt and Perrin. Uh, he doesn't use the he didn't use the names, but he shows them like a hologram yeah. <laughs> of Rand, Matt, and Perrin. And the man who calls himself Bors is like, what? Farm boys? Whatever. And Baltimore's like, do it! Right! Like, oh shit, sorry. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, and, oh yeah, the the whole time, Bors is looking for angles, right? He's trying to figure out, like, weaknesses of, of all the people around him. And he, he thinks, like, every time he thinks he's found a weakness of the people that he works for, it's gone. Like, they, they take care of it. It's not a real weakness.
2: Like the serving people. Like for, the
0: serving yeah. people, right? Like, they're... You know, the survey people are always, like, sources of leaks, but these survey people are all drones or robots or whatever the heck they are. Mm-hmm. But then Baalzumon gives all these dark friends instructions, and he gives them all instructions privately, using
2: magic.
1: Which I thought was pretty cool and pretty clever.
2: I think that's yeah. cool, but I'm surprised he had to do them one at a time. Mm-hmm. You can do them all at once? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So it seems like a... Pretty inefficient system. It's pretty limited. Or, or it limiting. could be a
1: plot thing just to kind of build up the suspense because it, it was super creepy, this idea of him standing there in this huge group of people and watching one by one as each person is silently getting these mm-hmm. messages, which I thought was pretty cool.
0: True. Yeah. But he did have to, he did do it one by one and he did have to bring them all into one place to do that. hmm So he tells Boers when he gets to Boers, oh, sorry, the man who calls himself Yeah. Bors, <laughs> the... To basically keep doing what he's doing, which we don't know what that is yet, mm-hmm. right? And boards is surprised, and then he gives him like secret instructions
2: implanted in his brain that uh, he can't remember. That he can't remember. He yeah, like has a series creepy. of pictures and images that, he, that immediately he forgets. Yeah.
1: So he says he has to return to Terabon, Terabon, which I don't think we've met, we've been there, or heard no, about. No, we haven't yet.
0: seen that yet. Yeah. 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 Which I think is one of the places near Almouth Plain.
1: Yeah, he says you'll return to Terabon. He says you'll look out for the three young men, man, uh, Rand, Matt, and Perrin, and then he says, thirdly, regarding those who have landed at Tommenhead and the Domani, of this you will speak to no one. And but we have met Domani, haven't we?
2: Uh, I think wasn't uh, the the riverboat captain. Yeah, met Domani. Bail Domani? Uh, no, he's an His name is Bail
0: Domani. Oh, okay, <laughs> never mind. You're right. But uh, yeah, uh, we have not met a Domani I believe, but there's a Domani dark friend at this party.
1: And there's an Sedai dark friend too. There are, there are two. Oh, yeah. two
2: Sedai dark friends. Ooh, I wonder yeah. who they are. Yeah, Very I can't trust it. I think we could probably figure it out if we pay attention to this book. Probably. Yeah, I, I already have my my theories actually, just even in the chapters we've read so far that some of the behavior they're describing I'm like, yeah, sounds mm-hmm.
1: like I kind of love this prologue. I feel like yep. he's dropping a lot of clues for us to pick up.
2: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's meaty. Right?
1: Yeah. It's easier
0: to follow than the last prologue, too, Oh, definitely. Which was just a, a whole bunch of information, names and stuff. hmm And so... And it's fun because it's creepy and it tells you... Uh, it's very cinematic, right? The, the bad guy. Like, we brought the bad guy back from the last one because he was so good. Mm-hmm. But not dead. And so uh, after this uh, all-hands meeting for Alzaman... Right. Uh, Boris goes home and we see that when he puts on his own clothes, not the dark clothes... That he's a white cloak. A questioner, no less. Yeah. He pulls out a white
2: cloak. Yeah. Yeah. Of course it's a cloak,
0: though, right? Yeah, (laughs) right. So, yeah. Who knew that the white cloaks, who are jerks to everybody and crazy religious fanatics, are secretly dark friends?
2: Or some of them. I bet they all are.
0: I mean, yeah, of course. There's so many dark friends, right?
2: They're the the worst people in the world. (laughs) They like to torture people, and they're trying to kill the Aes Sedai. It sounds a lot like a dark friend. (laughs) Yeah. So... Then, chapter one,
1: mm-hmm. the first
0: real chapter, The Flame of Tarvalon.
1: I thought this entire first scene I was thinking about you. Because it's Rand and Lan. Fighting shirtless, like on the top of a tower or something. I, in fact, I wrote "hubba hubba" next to it when it's talking about Randolph Thor, and it describes his chest hair and stuff like that. You know,
0: the there's something really gleaming, gleaming on his
2: <laughs> gleaming on his chiseled you know, pectorals. It's
0: cold, and when two men are working out together,
1: you know, just embracing each other's strength.
0: <laughs> yeah, just you know, sharing sweat. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> So yeah, the the we get the, the cool intro. The wheel of time turns and ages come and pass and blah 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 blah. Uh, and a wind arises in the blight and the blight blows the Faldara to a tower top where uh, a steamy sort of <laughs> is
2: going on. I mean, we assume it's steamy because it's chilly outside and they're shirtless and they're working <laughs> up a sweat, so there definitely, there's definitely some steam coming off those bodies.
1: Well, and some of the descriptions raise some questions again because remember last time I was talking about because I'm sorry when I think of Lan, I essentially think of Aragorn. Like no, that's my I don't see the connection. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> and we know that Aragorn has a super long life, and I know that was a question that was raised the last time we were in the Eye of the World, like mm-hmm. does what sort of special powers does this warder have? And it says that he his face is unlined even though he has um grey hair at his temples. Mm-hmm. So like and like the eyes that I have. So I wonder if he has some of those agelessness powers that yeah, the eyes you know, that I have. You could
0: be right. I don't remember but what, what is revealed later on? Uh, yeah, so that that seems likely.
1: Yeah,
2: there's definitely something special about Lan. Mm-hmm. Uh, more beyond just how special he is, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. As I was reading this chapter, I, I was second guessing my ideas about the ice being super long lived because I know that their faces are ageless and their eyes show wisdom, but the way they're talking about it, it makes it seem like that's just like possibly a product of their of the the hard work that they are, they're subjected to in the tower. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily that they are like immortal or anything like that, you know? Mm. And, and they talk about, uh, well, I mean, we're going to kind of get ahead of ourselves, but I think they mentioned that the Amarlin seat is a, a position you hold till death. So that means that they die naturally old age at some point. right?
0: Yeah. So they, they do die. Uh, but their ages are definitely hard to, uh, to place on all of them. Mm. Did we know that land had long hair? Yeah, I think so. He's yeah. looking, I don't know why. I he's held like, back in like a
1: leather, leather strap. Yeah. I know.
0: I read that. <laughs> I, was I, like... I assume he carved off a deer himself.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> with his teeth. He was tore <laughs> off his <laughs> with his <laughs> teeth. And...
0: So Rand and Lan are, are having a sword training session. The uh, Lan is teaching Rand how to use his Heron Mark sword that he got from his father. All right. And uh, one thing I noticed about this and the next few chapters is that there's a lot of recapping.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It sure. seems more so than there would be if these books were being written today. It almost feels like he intended this to be readable
2: if you picked up this book first. Yeah. I, I, it was actually almost a little frustrating because I was, like, I, I felt like there was a lot of padding that was just reminding us who this person was, you know? Yeah. And, I mean... We we read these books a month
0: ago, but yeah, at the, at the time, it might have been years as they come out. And also, I think it's meant, like, you know, the, the bookstore may not have the first version. You may be picking up The Great Hunt by itself. True. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of recapping in all of these chapters that we're going to cover today, and uh, during this uh, sword training session, Land is yeah training Rand in the sword, and it's it's the very beginning of training. Rand isn't very good with the sword yet, but Land uh, also gives Rand some manly advice uh, about <laughs> little, all sorts of stuff. they a little boys heart to heart. It's cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, land opens
2: up a little bit. See, he's got a heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he talks more in this, this chapter than I think he did in the entire previous book. <laughs> it's possible. I think you're probably right. Yeah. yeah. But uh,
0: he mentions, among many other things, that uh, Land and Rand's sword both separately happen to be magic Aes Sedai made swords that can't break and never need sharpening. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: we yeah we knew that his sword as a heron mark blade was special, but we didn't really know. All we knew was that it's the mark of a blade master. Yeah. But it sounds like those blades were originally... Belonging to, like, commanders of, of yeah. Lysadai armies or
0: something. Well, right? no, he said those are, I think he said those are soldiers' weapons from the War of Power back, when, like, 3,000 years ago.
1: But it keeps going back to this question, how the heck did Rand's father, Tam, get it in the first place? Right? Yeah. Even though Rand spends a tremendous amount of time being very angsty, like, no, Tam really is my real father. <laughs> he Rand isn't wondering, like, where, isn't really wondering, where did Dad get the sword? Which was weird to me
0: yeah right yeah Like it's always whenever he thinks along those lines he thinks no no tam is my father i mustn't follow those thoughts
1: yeah not Which how is, did he get this yeah
0: weird because he could still
2: be your father and have an unusual sword yeah but and lynn yeah. says something like you know in the borderlands whoever raised the child is the dad because and- <laughs> the borderlands are super woke <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and Rand's like no no <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i guess in emmon's field it's all about bloodlines though yeah well, I mean, yeah, because Rand just cannot accept that he might be adopted. Yeah,
1: so that's kind of sweet because it's like Lan is watching Rand's face and figuring out what he's thinking and trying to reassure him in his own way. I they know, have a real bond. He's yeah, deep. it's really sweet. You know, sweet. just
0: sitting next to each other with their uh, their shirts off, yeah. shoulders <laughs> touching.
2: Yeah. maybe Lan puts his arm around Rand and just you know. Yeah, he, but the point is, it's a very romantic scene. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Lan is kind of a surrogate father for Rand who
0: totally has a father who's still alive but he can't accept it. Yeah. And uh Land I thought this was interesting. Land has one of the magic Sedai swords and he says it was a soldier's weapon back in the War of Power but now 3000 years later it's like a treasured heirloom of the royal family of Malkir. Yeah, right. And Ran's got one that has a heron mark, the swordmaster symbol. Which I guess swordmaster symbols haven't changed in 3000 years?
2: Apparently not. I think I think the implication was that it did it didn't always mean that or something like that. Like I think uh let's see what does it say. On the other hand, those made for Lord Generals with blades so hard no bladesmith could mark them yet marked already with a heron, those blades became sought after. So I think uh-huh. it, it implies that the heron mark was a was originally associated with these oh, these generals. generals' blades. Okay. And it became an an item of the Blade Masters because they wanted to have the best blades. Right, okay. And it's then good, more leaving. recent Blade Master blades they add the Heron to and mostly most of them are uh, right, like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: And we have a nice little metaphor here, too. Mm-hmm. They talk about um, these blades, they won't shatter or break or lose their edges. I've seen men sharpening them, playing at sharpening, as it were, but only because they could not believe a sword did not need it after use. All they ever did was wear away their oil stones.
2: Yeah, that that I, I thought that was really Metaphorical interesting, Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Refusing
1: yeah. to accept the truth That's in front of you that, To your own detriment
2: Wow I bet Lan Is
0: even the best in the world At metaphors <laughs> And he's trying to help Rand think through His father issues With his sword metaphor
2: He does write his own poetry So I
1: mean
0: You know <laughs> It's true uh, I, I kind of like this Sword training I, It always stuck with me Because I like how He's he's teaching him These stances and And Robert Jordan Never really says much About what the stances are
1: but they're very, very Eastern names. They're,
0: yeah, they're they're Eastern-sounding, and they're kind of evocative. The ones that Lan mentions are, like, go through parting the silk, beginning from Heron waiting in the rushes. So that's kind of cool, right? It's like a it's like a Kung Fu style, almost, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I like that. So as they talk, uh, Rand says he means to run, right? We learned that at the end of the last book, uh, since he's learned that he can channel, he wants to just run away from everybody he knows because... Men who could channel go crazy and kill everybody around them. Right, and he's hanging out, and Land's like, "Well, why haven't you run then? You should because, have run a week ago." Because Land is the best at planning, too. That's true. <laughs> and yeah, and and Rand doesn't have a really good reason, but he says like he's waiting for Moraine to say something to him, and Moraine's been ignoring him, which I think Moraine's been ignoring him because she's manipulating him because that's what she's always been doing.
2: That is definitely what she's best at: is is <laughs> identifying how to you get got people to do what she keeps them to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Land says, well, you know,
0: you should go if you're going. But turns out it's too late because there's horns and, and bells and stuff. And, and uh, a huge military pres- procession has arrived at the castle. And they can see it from the, the sweaty tower that they're on.
2: <laughs> I assume the tower is super sweaty. <laughs> oh, we missed something very important, though. When the wind comes in, what happens to Rand, right? Right, 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 yeah. Super weird. So, yeah, they're practicing the sword and, like, the
0: wind... The same wind, apparently, that was mentioned in the the, the prologue—the wind that arose in the blight—grabs Rand and pushes him forward onto to Land's practice sword.
1: And I think it slows down time too, because he's talking about how he sees it happen: the sword coming towards him very, very slowly, but he can't do anything about it.
2: Yeah, right. So it yeah. slows down time
0: and freezes him, and almost kills him.
2: Yeah, it forces and, him onto the bamboo blade to the point that it snaps and into yeah. sharp points.
0: And Land doesn't know anything, or doesn't notice anything. He he thinks. You know, you just screwed this up. Yeah, what were you doing? What's yeah. a terrible move? And Rand's like, no, no, the wind. You know, the wind pushed me. That was really weird. And Land's like, oh yeah, you know, that could happen.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, he does kind of brush it off. Right, He's just strange things happen close to the blight. Yeah. Like
2: this strange, but apparently, yeah. Okay, so or maybe you know, there's. Maybe that Lan is you know, trying to kind of cover things up a little bit. You know, he knows something's going on. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, maybe he accidentally, like, I just stabbed
2: him. <laughs> he's <Yeah>. the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these <that> strange things <laughs> happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe Lan does know more than he lets on. Uh, I it's,
1: he it's, even gives him girl advice.
0: He does give him some girl advice. Yeah, he does. How does that go?
1: It, he's just Rand is talking about how he loves Egwene and... Lan is trying to give him some advice about it, and but he's obviously thinking about someone he himself loves. Oh, so, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah he's, yeah, he's like, love's a funny thing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> love's a, an odd thing as there is.
0: <laughs> Poor Lan. Because he loves naive, Uh-huh, for some reason. But that can't happen for some reason. Yeah.
1: Because reasons. Yeah. <laughs>
0: because reasons. So, Ran is gonna run, but turns out it's too late for him to run because the... The horns blare and the bells ring, and uh, they can see from their position atop the tower that a huge military procession has arrived, and it's the Ammerlin seat, uh, the 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 leader of the Aesidai, uh has arrived with all the pomp
2: and circumstances at Faldara. It's a big deal. She it sounds like she's not someone who travels often, so yeah, it's like the pope. Here. Yeah, exactly. It is very yeah, very like the pope. Yeah, uh, which
0: means it's too late. Rand should have been gone. No, he's not because uh, Rand is. Afraid of the Omerlin seat. Afraid of all Aes Sedai, really.
2: Well, I, I mean now that we he knows what he is, I think that appears probably justified, right? I mean, like they're pro- as far as he knows, what they do with with men who channel is they gentle them. And, yeah, and gentle, then, like, we don't know what that means, but it seems like it's not great. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't seem fun. And the men who get gentle, they almost all just
0: die.
1: Yeah. They mm-hmm. stop
0: wanting to live.
2: Right. As we learned from Tom. Yeah. Poor Tom.
0: Chapter two.
1: The cringiest of all chapters. <laughs>
0: The welcome. the And the, the icon is the flame of Tarvala. So uh, Rand is now panicking. And he goes to his room to, to pack up all his stuff. And some interesting stuff happens in his room. And <laughs> when he gets there, the female servants, including the, the head of the female servants, is there are there. And they're getting all of his clothes and they're throwing them away. And they say, we need the clothes off your body, too. And Rand reflects on how... The women of this castle are always trying to see him naked. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's like, Apparently uh,
1: they all just bathe together. Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah, in, well, in, in their
0: culture, they, they bathe together and there's no embarrassment about nudity.
1: Yeah, and there's no class divisions either. He said he's just as likely to meet the lady of the castle and the bads as he is to meet a servant who asks him to wash her back.
2: That could yeah. be an Eastern influence thing that we're we're seeing here because I I think it is. It's like a Japanese bathhouse. Yeah, it, 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 it's less so now, but it, it, you know, previously in Japanese bathhouses, they weren't necessarily gender divided, and you know, it wasn't a big deal. You're just taking a bath, you know.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Rand is really embarrassed by all this. Yeah.
0: As soon as so he he feels really awkward bathing naked, and so he's been bathing in the middle of the night to avoid people. And but the the, the all the women of the castle, the fortress. When they realized how embarrassed it makes them, they've been like what's the word? For being a predator? <laughs> <laughs> Hunting him. Huh? They, they, yeah, they've been like like they think it's hilarious that he's so embarrassed, and they keep trying to like see him naked to embarrass him.
1: And we once again have Robert Jordan's most overused trope where there's the I don't, they call her the Shatayan of the of the keep, the woman yeah. who's in charge the, of the the woman who's in charge of all the servants and uh, it talks about. He literally says she bullies people, including Lord Agalmar
0: Yeah, right. Even Lord Agelmar, her direct boss. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which we've
1: seen time and time again, but usually with the innkeeper and the cook.
0: Because women, or at least women who have positions of power, are just really mean, bossy, bossy. Yeah, yeah. really unpleasant. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's in this scene, Rand like hustles them all out by promising to like take his clothes off and pass them through the door, mm-hmm. and the. She literally tries to push the door open again to embarrass him.
1: You know, and I, he stops her. I, I I don't want to be this kind of person, but if the sexes were switched, like that would come off as super creepy and rapey. I'm,
0: yeah, I don't usually think that way, but I was thinking that this scene, like, yeah. but what if this was Egwene and all the men in the castle were trying to push into her door while she was naked? Yeah, yeah. This, this is very creepy. Like, what the hell? But I, it's uh, that's just a Robert Jordan thing, you know. It's he thinks this is funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, somebody being uncomfortable or like a man being prudish and and having like really narrow boundaries he thinks it's funny to cross those mm-hmm.
1: yeah. so true
2: yeah when the when perrin was with the traveling folk the same thing happened with the dancing right they were always trying to embarrass him because he was like uncomfortable yeah
0: okay
1: with yeah with sexy dancing
2: yeah <laughs> i wonder if this is like
0: like a a fantasy of Robert Jordan's, of like, I think know, I it totally wondering, is. Yeah, like I think it would be great if like a bunch of women tried to see me naked, and I would be so embarrassed, but there'd be no
2: way for me to stop them.
1: Yeah, exactly. Robert <laughs> Jordan has a thing for sexually aggressive women.
2: <laughs> it, has a, it has an unusual feel. Yeah. Um, oh, and I noticed that uh, Rand has started to talk like the Shinarans. He says, uh, "Peace, don't come in." When she's yeah, trying right. to I guess po- he just force her way into his <laughs> speaking room. their
0: language. You know. Yeah. Peace. That's a pretty good. I want to see that in real life. It's like an exclamation. And
1: there's something Peace. super weird, too, because he's looking at all these new clothes that they've gotten for him. Mm-hmm. And even though they never say it's a dragon, they describe there's a on the cloak, there's a, some needlework done on there. And yeah. I think it's got to be a dragon because yeah, they, it's a made serpent, a... but with four legs and a lion's mane.
0: Yep. Yeah, they, they made a whole new set of clothes for him because... Uh, th- the reason they're getting rid of his clothes is because he's about to meet the Amarlin Seat, and Moraine has given orders that all of his crappy farmer clothes get thrown away, and he gets fancy, upper-crust noble clothes.
1: Yeah, but you know what it felt like? It felt like they were giving him prisoner clothes, so that he was immediately identifiable.
2: Oh my god, I didn't even think of that. That's
1: the way I That's was good, thinking Well, I mean, he's got a it.
2: dragon sewn onto his shirt. Yeah, yeah. Sure he knows, and he's right.
1: even like, who had this maid? Was it Moraine? Is she? If it is, she's trying to get me killed.
0: Yeah, right? Because, yeah. Well... First of all, is that true? Because nobody knows what the dragon looks like anymore.
2: Well, I wonder. I mean, we—they don't know what a dragon is. They don't know what it looks like. But how did she describe it to them?
0: How did they get? How did they know what to sew?
2: (laughs) Maybe she drew it. I don't
0: know. Yeah. And and this is, yeah, this is weird because Rand doesn't know he's the dragon.
2: Right? He, he just,
1: suspects it, though.
2: Does he? Well, he, he he thinks he's just a guy who can channel, which yeah. there's they, lots of guys who can and, channel. And, and Rand is true. Die. We established that Rand is very slow on the uptake.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> also true. And so I think the only people that know he's the dragon are Moraine.
2: Possibly and Lan? And right? Oh. Yeah, and Lan. Yeah, because I assume Lan knows everything Moraine knows. But so yeah.
0: so she, see, she had the dragon emblem stitched on this coat that she just, like, gave him without any warning?
1: Yeah, and now she's going to parade him in front of a bunch of... Aes Sedai, which I'm assuming includes the Red Aja, who's literally, their entire job is to hunt down men who can right. channel.
2: That does not do add up. bad.
1: Yeah, it was super weird.
2: Mm-hmm. It was a poor choice. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right.
0: So I think maybe there's some kind of a game by Moraine to try and push him into doing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Maybe give him a hint, because she's like, this kid is not figuring it out. <laughs> so, guy, well, remember that yeah. Remember that flag we found in the in the <laughs> Eye of the World that had that thing on it? Right. Yeah, remember <laughs> that prophecy you fulfilled? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, Rand
0: packs up after extricating himself from the the weird predatory servant situation <laughs> and he packs all his stuff and he sneaks out uh into the kind of the crowd in the courtyard and now he's dressed by the way, like a lord right because and he'll be dressed like a lord for the rest of the books because <laughs> <laughs> that's all he has left. he has only his lord clothes they burned all his regular people. yeah clothes. and and we get to see the the ceremony when the Olin seat is greeted by the Lord of faldara
2: it, it, I feel like. Okay, so Rand's trying to get out, right? But he stops to, like, watch this thing. This is, He's had this problem before where he's like, <laughs> I well, I know I've got some place to be, or I know I've got some things, to, but I really want to see this really yeah, interesting this thing. This is what happened in Camelin. <laughs> this is exactly what happened in Camelin. And lo and behold, it ends up screwing him over again. I
1: think it's kind of charming, though, because, like, he's still, at the end of the day, he's still this kid from Emmons Field, this sheep herder. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, literally, when am I ever going to get another chance to meet this um, Amrill and see the most famous person in this world, essentially. So. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. I thought it was kind of like I, something I'd a teenager
1: from the backwater would do.
0: Yeah, yeah. I his, mean. And his plan is like to slip out and go be a nobody for the rest of his life, so he doesn't think it's going to be a problem. Yeah. I wouldn't miss that.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. It, it does sound like quite a spectacle. I mean, to have all the, the, the 16 warders. Yeah, I mean, we do have this, this this huge ceremony with, what is it, 16 different warders all dressed differently. I mean, none of them is badass as Lan. Yeah, but he specifies that they
0: all like, they all have a look on their face like they see things other men don't see.
1: (laughs) (laughs) These guys are so badass. And
0: they're all, I I noticed he said they're all dressed different and they've all all got a sword but all their swords are different, no two the same. I can't think of 12 different swords.
2: 16 different swords. There's There's, 16 16, of them.
0: Yeah, I can't think of 16 different swords. Is this like a,
2: a thing that warders do is like, i got to get a sword nobody else has. <laughs> it's like, oh man, I really wanted to use the, the falchion, but uh, <laughs> yeah. the stupid other guy took the falchion.
1: But like we saw in the prologue, though, Robert Jordan is really good at setting up regional differences between people. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of it.
0: It absolutely is. Cause they're, yeah. Like the Aes Sedai are drawn from all over the world, and the warders are drawn from all over the world. And I presume they all come from different fighting traditions and... They're sort of the best of the best. Yeah. It's, it's cool. I, I liked it. It liked is it. super cool. And they're all wearing the color changing cloak, but other than that, they're all different and they're all just like, we don't have a uniform because we're so badass. <laughs> <laughs> our uniform is that we're badass,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's our face. We're
1: cloaked in badassery.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's really cool, and there's kind of a boring ceremony where the Amaralyn Seed is greeted by the Lord of Faldara.
2: They have, like, staffs or something, I don't know. Yeah. Shouting at staffs.
0: And uh, that, that was nice to see, and after that, Rand goes to the stables to go get his horse, and the stableman is very apologetic. Sorry, orders just came down, no one can leave. Yeah. You're screwed, he says in parentheses. <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah, sorry, bro. You're screwed. Chapter 3, Friends and Enemies. And there's a, a new icon. This is a, a scimitar. I don't
2: know what this is. I think this is okay. Uh, it. I think this is supposed to be Matt's dagger. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, they mentioned the the huge ruby and its uh, and its pommel, and that I think that's what that is on the, the on the tails of the serpents. Oh. Okay. Like I don't think that I ever ever remember them describing snakes on it, but I think that's what that's supposed to be. Do they describe Matt's dagger in detail? I know they always say that it's encrusted in gold and rubies, but... You know, I think you're right. It, that doesn't look like a dagger to me, but you're right. That
0: that big gem on the hilt, I think, is, sells it. So Rand is still trying to escape. He tries the Sally Gate, uh, and it's it's blocked off right. by like a mean guard and a nice guard. <laughs> and and the, nice I, gu- the nice guard's like, I want to let you out, but mean
2: guard over here says no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and he, I noticed that Rand... He asks all the people that
2: tell him he can't leave, like, who gave you that order? And they're all like, my boss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it disseminated very rapidly, and he's kind of wondering, like, where that... Where, well, yeah, like it?
0: minutes ago, like two minutes ago. Right. So he is obsessed with avoiding Aes Sedai, and I found this a little strange. I mean, it, I guess it kind of makes sense because he thinks they're going to gentle him,
2: but he, he, I, I would the say only he... Aes Sedai he knows, really, is Moraine, and Moraine is... You know, not scary. But but every other, literally every other man who channels gets gentle. So I mean, like, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, if Moraine doesn't tell, and I'm great. But I mean, if anyone figures it out, he's if he's, he knows, he's right. so
0: worried about hurting his family and friends and stuff, why not go go gently into being gentle? That is a good point. But
2: he's very selfish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's like, where's he going to go? He's going to go live out in the wilderness. Where's he going to go that he's not a threat to anybody? If uh, that's the, the plan.
2: I mean, if it were me, I'd go to Steading.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, we've heard, though, that Aes Sedai can't stay there for too long. Cause well, like, he's not an Aes Sedai yet. It, well, I, uh, I oh, think,
2: yeah. I think he, they mentioned that someone who has touched the true source, uh, they miss it, you know? But he hasn't. I think he's, it's early enough he'd probably be able to go there and just chill out with Yeah, them. probably. He's, he's even got a friend, right? Loyal can take him over there. That's true. So he, he
0: even considers rappelling down the wall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's guards there, because of course there are. This is a fortress. Uh, so that's a bad plan, Rand. Right.
1: And he's freaking out. Like, he's getting super paranoid and thinks that there's people watching him, even though he can't see anyone. Yeah, he
0: feels like
2: something's watching him. Something feels very strongly that something that's moving faster than he is is watching him. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, I was thinking to myself, this is probably what it looked like inside Matt's head when he was oh, being Oh, yeah, being that's poisoned. a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and there was the wind thing, so I don't know if it's connected to
0: that. Oh, that's there's good. all sorts of crazy stuff going on with Rand. But speaking of Matt. Uh, he, he heads down to the servants' quarters, because he's kind of hiding, and he's sort of hiding from the servants, too, because he's paranoid. And he comes across uh, Loyal and Matt and Perrin dicing. Yeah,
1: I think they're playing craps. <laughs> I
2: think they are. Yeah. Except they won't let Loyal dice. Uh, yeah, they're so... so wrong. I, just, I just want to dice. And, then, <laughs> and they're just like, oh, glory be to builders, and they won't play with them. <laughs> they're right right
0: like, yeah <laughs> Glory be to the builders, because they're all a bunch of cheats. <laughs> or true. something. Rand is speaking with Loyal, and Matt and Perrin come join him and leave the game, and yeah, they they say the the other dicers are like, you can't leave while you're winning, and Matt's like, I just can't stop winning. (laughs) So I I keep playing, I keep winning.
2: Yeah. But, you know, he makes a good point. do you think he's cheating? Uh, I mean... Yeah, I mean, like, I I wouldn't put it past him, but I also think the dice games are pretty hard to cheat unless you know what you're doing, so Mm. I'm inclined to think it's just luck at this point.
0: Yeah, I think... I think Matt's a prankster, but not a cheater.
2: Right? Yeah, I would agree.
0: Unless that's the the dagger from Shadar Logoth making it. deal. Yeah, who knows? It's, it's more death. So Rand,
2: in this scene, is it's sad. He's mean to his friends. Well, this is this is interesting because like he's talking about. So the, the, when he's setting the scene up, he's looking at each of them and he's like, "Man, Perrin, like, won't tell me anything about what's going on. Matt's like, you know, not like he used to be." You know, and, and I, all I'm thinking is they should just fucking talk to each other, right? Right. Have yeah. a conversation. Like,
0: at, say, "Hey, parent, why do you have yellow eyes now? Anything you want to talk about, big guy?"
2: Yeah. And and like his whole thing, he's like, "Oh, you know, I can't tell them my de- my deep dark secret because because what? Like, what are they gonna? They- yeah. Why? Yeah. I, I think he's well. He's briefly mentions that they'll
0: look at me like Egwene and Naive do sometimes. He's like gonna be leaving me.
2: anyway, right? Yeah. Right. Like, I think this is this is one of those what I find very frustrating. Uh, yeah. It's a common plot device where they're like. The, the problem is that I can't tell anyone but it's like the most obvious answer and we'll fix everything is just telling everyone right Yeah, just grow yeah. up and say this is why I'm leaving and they'll be happy to see
0: you go you yeah. don't have to be super rude to them mm-hmm. right which he is he says a bunch of mean things to them he
1: does a Harry and the Hendersons thing get <laughs> he out of here go
2: even with Loyal and Loyal's like dude dude yeah <laughs> come on man the trees really yeah he's like I hope your groves are burned down <laughs> he's
1: <laughs> such a dick that's
2: so mean
0: yeah, and so, but he's mean so that they won't be sad when he leaves. He could just—he's leaving anyway. He doesn't have to mean
2: anyway. Yeah, it, it, it even to me, it actually feels out of character for Rand because he's not like the kind of—he yeah. he doesn't seem like the kind of person who would turn on his friends to yeah. for his own benefit. But that's sure, what he does.
0: Yeah, so they uh, they get pissed off at him and they leave, and then he goes sneaks around and. Uh, stumbles along Egwene.
1: Yes. And I would like to point out that in my notes I wrote, This is so painful in this whole discussion that he has with her.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean at least it's a conversation. You well, know? Y- you at know, least they, they manage to convey how they feel, which I, they don't always do when they talk.
2: This might be the first time that I think Egwene is actually like doing the right thing here, you know? She's like, dude, stop being a dick. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean that's the the conversation. He, he tries to be a dick to her. He tries to do the same thing,
0: and she literally tackles him to the ground and sits on his chest. That was a little weird.
1: (laughs) But we used to get that same freaking copypasta that we get every single time, it seems like, when women and men talk in this, where Egwene is like, oh, you guys are, men are stubborn as mules. When you can't win an argument, you either run away or resort to force. You dumb men. She folds her arms beneath her breasts. She sniffs. Mm -hmm. So this is like... She adjusts
2: her skirts. Yeah,
1: this is Robert Jordan on -on (laughs) full-on Evansfield women mode.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Egwene uh, uh, knows what he's trying to do, because she's smarter than him, because I think just about everybody is. <laughs> and, and she's like, well, okay, you can't run away, but I'll just hide you then. How
2: about that? <laughs> I love her suggestion, right? You know where I'm going to hide you? The dungeon. <laughs> yeah, the dungeon. <laughs> They'll never think to look there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the dungeon with Pat and Fane, uh, where apparently she's been visiting Pat and Fane. She and Nainim both. For and the funsies. And not telling Moraine about it. Great. I love awesome. how she's
1: trying to be an Aes Sedai because they're not allowed to lie. So she <laughs> yeah. does this like double negatives thing. Maureen Sedai has never told me I could not visit Master Fane. <laughs> and, which Rand immediately sees through. Uh, right, yes. Yeah. She's uh, practicing. Nice try.
0: So they go down. Egwene takes him down to the dungeon where Pat and Fane is. And Egwene does mention something I wanted to point out. She says he doesn't even know that the Amarlin Seat is looking for him. He hasn't
2: heard anything. He's just freaking out. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely true, right? I yeah. mean, he's being very paranoid.
1: And we also find out that the guards who have been guarding him used to be decent, and they've become these huge dicks.
2: Yeah, this whole thing is...
0: I felt like it was just like Silence of the Lambs. Like, he's going into the dungeon, and the people around like this, this very crazy person are getting crazy just by... Proximity to
2: him. Yeah, I mean, yeah,
0: this is, this scene was really creepy, I felt.
2: Yeah, they, they, he mentions, uh, she mentions that every time she comes, the, the guards are worse. And the guard actually has, he, he behaves kind of. I would say sinisterly, he's like, Oh, be careful in the dark, yeah. he's waiting for you. you yeah, know? there in the dark. And the other guard never looks up, just keeps sharpening his knife the whole <laughs> yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. This is this is clearly like Shadar Logoth, right? Like Mordeth like yeah. is like the corruption of Shadar Logoth is yeah. in Pad and Fane and spreading here, right? This is it. And I don't know why no one has
0: figured this out. Maybe Egwene and Nynaeve didn't notice it because it's it's been happening slowly, but Rand comes in and he's like these people are crazy. Yeah. The, and, the, this is, there's no one in China who's acting like these the, guys. The other prisoners that are in the nearby cells, like, they're in for, like, tax evasion. They're in for, like, minor crimes. But they're, like, these rabid animals now in these things, like, screaming obscenities at them.
1: Yeah. And we get a weird-ass description, too. This this the guard, it says, The man studied Rand, his upper lip quivering back to bare teeth. Yeah. I don't know what that looks like. Like, uh, <laughs> bearing like, your teeth, I guess? We're
2: going to we're gonna have to include a picture of this on the podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. So our right. listeners know what faces we're making. Yeah. yeah.
0: Right. Like, these... So this is... Clearly, Pad is not harmless. Mm-hmm. And uh, Egwene is wrong about that. And I guess Moraine is not seeing this because she's been having Pad brought to her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So they go talk to Pad and Fane, and mm-hmm. he is not the nice peddler that Egwene says she's been talking to. He's this really creepy, uncomfortable guy that's, that's really happy to see Rand. And he, said, he he tells Rand this little poem that I love. <laughs> I wanted to repeat this little poem that he says to Rand. Soon comes the day all shall be free, even you and even me. Soon comes the day all shall die, surely you, but never I. Aww, that's <laughs> cute. That's nice <laughs> You'll
1: float too.
0: I know, yeah. It's, this is super creepy. And so it's so creepy, Egwene's like, this is not... Normal. Let's go. Let's go yeah. somewhere else.
2: Oh, he's also name-dropping Mordeth, by the way. He's like, Mordeth does this, Mordeth death. It's like, okay. All right, yeah. guys. Come
1: and on. he's And Come he's on. staring up through the stone towards where the Amaralyn seat is.
2: Yeah,
0: like he can see through the stone. Yeah. That's what he was doing in the last book, too. He was looking up where Rand and Matt were. Super creepy. So, Egwene says, all right, plan B. We're going to hide you in the women's quarters. <laughs> where all the Sedai are. <laughs> yeah, right? But I guess in Shinar... The, the women and the men stay in different places.
2: How does that work for married people? I was just
0: thinking, they said, they mentioned that, like, little boys live in the women's quarter, like, up to ten or so. Right. How do you make new little boys if the men and the women are living separately? That is an excellent question. Because they're like, I mean, they have communal bats. Do they have, like, fuck bats? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, I mean, the, the, they, kids come from only one place. <laughs> right. I, and uh, does the Lord, Lord Agamar and stuff, does he, does he live in the men's quarters? Must, or is it right? just soldiers or something
2: living there? I think they met. Well, that's a good question. But I know that they mentioned specifically that Lord Algamari is not even allowed in the women's I'm, quarters. We don't.
1: Mm-hmm. We don't um, find out about a single married couple in Faldara, do we? Because it's his sister, right? That's Who's, right. The
2: lady Amelisa, yeah. Sister.
1: Huh. Oh,
2: I wonder they if they don't
1: marry. Oh
0: my gosh, are they like some crazy communist culture that doesn't marry?
2: Well, they're they're they're, they're militaristic, right? Both men and women fight. I think they mentioned at one point that. Uh, Lord Agamilar's sister is supposed to be as formidable a warrior as he is. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, they're just like a creepy cult.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, they just, they just don't have marriage, you know? Yeah. That's, that's, hey. and to be fair, that's not, that's more of a, kind of a Christian thing that, that has permeated our culture, but I mean. Are, like,
0: are there any cultures that do that that we know of in the real world that Robert Jordan might have been drawing from? That don't have marriage? Well, that have, at least in some part of life, men living separate from women.
1: I'm, I... like, the Shakers. In mm-hmm. the 70s, there were a bunch of weird, like, sex cults in, in uh, upstate New York mm-hmm. where the men and women were separate.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, so Rand is going to hide there in Egwene's room in the women's quarters, which, yeah, of course, is where all the Aes are. And so, chapter four.
1: I'm so excited about this.
0: <laughs> Summoned. There's a picture of a French horn, I think.
2: <laughs> that's what it looks like. Yeah, and I, I, I guess that's what the the horn is supposed to look like, right? Oh, do you think that's the horn? I think that's the horn. Yeah, yeah. the
1: horn of Ilyon. Uh, that's what I figured. Or
2: Velier. Yeah. Val- yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, the horn
2: of Velair. Yeah, the horn of Velair, which the alien. The, the fresh horn of Velair. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, which the, the, the alien hunt, the hunt for the horn is the mm-hmm. Yeah. So this chapter is really cool
0: because... It's Moraine. It's Moraine! And we get to see a little bit of how she thinks. Have we had a Moraine chapter before? We had, like, two paragraphs at the very end of the last book where she was
2: listening in on somebody somebody else. Yeah,
1: but this is a whole chapter from her point of view.
2: Because I remember it was a big deal when we had... A naive chapter where she was eavesdropping on Moraine and Lan. It was like the first time we'd ever heard them speak candidly. So. Yeah.
0: Which Moraine never does. Yeah. So, and we we don't actually learn that much about Moraine in this chapter, but except
2: we, the you know the way that she looks at things. Yeah. Right. Very interesting.
0: Is, yeah, which is she's very driven. Uh, I, I, I want to say manipulative, but not in a bad way. Like she's she's trying to achieve a goal.
1: I feel like this presents her in a very positive light this mm-hmm. chapter. She seems like the good person because we meet up with right. some other Aes Sedai and one of them is obviously supposed to be the bad guy. Yeah.
0: In, in the first book, Moraine was a figure of fear at some points and mm-hmm. it was unclear what her angle was a lot of times. Yeah. But here, it seems like she does what she says on the tin. You know, She's she exactly what she said she was. She's trying to achieve something. And we get, in this chapter, lots and lots of info about Tarvalon and the Aes Sedai and how
1: they work. It's, it's
2: very interesting. It's yeah. interesting stuff, yeah. But I, I want to mention something. I don't I, I don't think we've we've come across. And they drop it really casually, but Moraine um, is is getting dressed, and they mention she's looking at herself in the mirror because I don't know she's studying her face. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they mention that she grew up in the royal palace of Carhine mm-hmm. It just like drops it casually. It's like
1: huh. we we learned that very briefly last
2: time. Did we I, in, I, the I, last book, in the last lo- yeah. in those two chapters?
0: She mentioned it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, but it's still that's that's pretty new information at this point because that's. I think the only bit of backstory we have for Moraine, period.
2: Do we even know her last name yet? I mean, I know that it hasn't been mentioned yet, right? Yeah. Yeah. We just know her name is Moraine. Yep. Yeah. So, Moraine's in her
0: in her room, and she's been summoned to meet the Amarlin Seat. And two Aes and come to greet her, Anaya and Leandrin. Anaya, who is of the Blue Aja. Blue Aja, like Moraine. And... and and Leander who's in the red aja. Right.
1: So we ov- we obviously know what the red aja do now. Do we know what the blue aja do? It hasn't said
0: specifically, okay. but we do know that the blue aja goes out in the world a lot.
2: Yeah. And and we know that if Moraine is of the blue aja, we we have at least some idea of their 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 ideas. I mean, Yeah, and the aja's are I guess they're like the houses in the uh,
0: Harry Potter. Yeah, and I groups of like-minded people
1: mm-hmm. within
0: and, the Tarvalon. Yeah.
1: And I went to the glossary and I looked it up. Uh, what they had to say about Aja this time and we learned the different colors Uh but um, the only ones they give us information about are the red Aja, which we already knew and then the brown Aja, for which we meet two of them very briefly forsake involvement with the mundane world and are dedicated to seeking knowledge so they don't tell us what all the other ones do and they, yeah. yeah,
2: they mention several of them, but don't give you much of. They they have kind of like offhand commentary about the azzas. I think they they say a couple of things about yeah. green Aja and things like that. But
1: which I found a little frustrating because this is obviously a huge deal the way these women are categorized, but they're not telling us what it means.
2: Yeah. So we know
0: that yeah, Anaya is blue and Leandrin is red, yeah. and during this uh, their walk to the Amaranth seats office, wherever the room she is. Yeah. Uh,
2: they just snipe
0: at each other. They just really hate each other. Uh, blue and red. Yeah, Except, although
2: Anaya's really nice. Yeah, I was gonna say Anaya like I I think it's interesting the way they talk about her that she's like so nice that it's disarming to people who are not nice. <laughs> right, they do <laughs> like, looking her. for like a de- like some kind of devious angle and she's like, no, nah, that's just how she is. <laughs> yeah.
0: But Leandrin is super mean and at one point she refers to uh, men
2: as male vermin. Yeah, I I actually this actually pissed me off a little bit because up until now the the primary definer of Red Aja is that when it was a man who could channel they wanted to justle him which is not unreasonable given what yeah, we know. Yeah. But now like in this chapter everything you're saying about the Red Aja seems that their primary definer seems to be that they hate men. Yeah. Like the Red Aja they hate men and they're mm. like, "Oh, well those those uh what is it? Both of those ladies express interest in dudes, so they probably won't go Red Aja." You know, like, I think it's it's like the other way around. The red aja's
0: job is to is to deal with men who can channel, and so they just attract women that don't like men. I guess, and so. it becomes maybe sort of a self reinforcing culture once they get into it. Like
2: they they make each other hate men more. But it's it, it's it, cartoonish. It was yeah. It was a frustrating definer because like you you could definitely play the red aja and have them be like reasonable, not like oh we we're man haters. You know yeah That's, yeah. It's not like they kill
0: the men who can channel it either. Right? It's not like they, yeah. they go out and destroy them. They 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 make them harmless. That's right, yeah. So they get some uh Anaya gives Moraine some news of the world outside, and I always kinda like these news dumps of what's going in the world. Yeah, same. And so there are three more false dragons. Which, which...
1: Moraine is surprisingly pleased about. It says she has a gleam in her eye, mm-hmm. though she masks it quickly.
0: Yep. Moraine almost gives something away there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But that's a lot, right? It was a big deal when there were three in three years before. Now there's three in one year. Mm -hmm. So it's like the pattern is unraveling or something. Yep. And you mentioned in passing, I didn't realize this. Some Aes Sedai died when they took Loghain?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, the impression is that a male channeler, because of the way that they channel, has very destructive power. So even skilled Aes Sedai, it's a risk, you know? Uh Loghain was not a super powerful guy, but, you know, he, he yeah. was able to do a lot. So
0: Yeah, that was Loghain, who was the the false dragon who was captured in the previous book, kind right. of off-screen. Right, right. We just, you know... We met him in passing. Yeah, he's like like in a video game where there's like a news ticker of what's going on in the world. It's just <laughs> like, that's happening too. Yeah. So as they're walking, and during this news dump, Moraine spots Egwene hiding Rand. Or Egwene is, you know, leading a, a tall figure... Carrying a bunch of bundles. <laughs> and Moraine's like, please. She's like, oh, what a, you know, she's taking the initiative. Good girl. <laughs> good. Good for her. Uh, so we know that Elaine, the daughter heir of Andor, has made
2: it to Tarvalon. We also learned something else about Elaine. Uh, was it? She's a channeler. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do we not Which know Which doesn't that
1: happen girl? very often. Right,
2: no, I don't think mm-hmm. we knew that before, but Elida Al- uh-huh. is apparently getting some kind of, like, status because she's bringing another mm-hmm. another channeler in.
0: Which is a big deal, because the, the,
2: I said, I are always looking for new channelers.
0: So wait, and she's a really strong channeler.
2: Is every female that has like a thing for Rand, uh, uh like supernatural?
1: Maybe. Yes. We're only sure. About, well, we're only sure <laughs> like, about two of them so far.
2: Well, uh,
0: Elaine, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of the series and yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean like
2: all the ones we've met so far, like we've got Egwene, we've got Min and we've got, uh, Elaine and all three of those are magic ladies. That's true, and magic ladies are really rare. Yeah, know?
1: but what about the farm girl, who is that's trying true. to oh, get him bit? Sh- All right, right. There, there you go. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> her name Elsa.
0: Elsa Grinwell. Yeah, that's
1: right. I don't know why she deserved a, f- a full name in this book because I don't think she ever shows up again. But I
2: don't think so either. But
1: <laughs> whatever. All right,
2: you know. sorry. Thank you. You're right. <laughs> uh, that, that is the ex- there, there is an exception. One exception, right?
0: Uh, the great hunt has been called an Ilion, which we already kind of knew, I think. Yeah, so
2: we I assume we it's going to be a very short hunt <laughs> since right. they had the horn.
0: Yeah, we we don't know what that means really, except it's the title of the book. Yeah, uh, there's some fighting on Almoth Plain, which that that rhymes with what we we heard in the first chapter with the man who
2: called himself Boars. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, they the, the, and we also hear a little little bit about um, what was the the land he's from. Terabon. Terabon, yeah. Because, uh, what's her name? The the red Aja. Yeah, Leandrin is also from Terabon. Yeah. yeah.
0: So they go in to see the Amaralan Sea. And there, there's a bunch of Aes Sedai sitting around, and they all kind of give Moraine the cold shoulder. There's a, a couple brown Ajahs who are just... Ditses or something? They're, no, one of them's reading not books. Ditzes, they're just like totally nutty professors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, one they're of them's like,
1: reading a book, and the other one is like drawing a diagram of a flower. Or something they're nerds, stupid. is what they yeah, are.
0: Yeah, the brown Aja are super nerds. <laughs> true. Yeah. And there's a yellow and a green and
2: uh, is that it?
1: I, I think know. there's a white Aja.
2: Yeah, there's a white Aja. Yeah. So we don't we don't get all their names. I think they there's seven colors is what they said. Is that right? I yeah. Think they said seven like colors. a
0: rainbow. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, there might be eight colors, right? Oh yeah. The black colors. Color, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they they also mentioned a little bit about the Tarval, Tarvalon politics, about yeah. the the alliances and things, which I thought was really interesting.
0: There's alliances between the Ajas. And the Amarillyn Seat is from the blue Aja. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you're the Amarillyn Seat, you're supposed to give up your Aja and be sort of the boss of everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's, there are apparently just all kinds of crazy internal politics. Cause
2: they, they mentioned that the green, and the, blue, the green Aja and the blue Aja are usually closely aligned.
0: Yeah. And uh, so she goes in to see the Amarillyn Seat, and they have kind of a stilted conversation where uh, the Amarillyn Seat talks a little bit about Elida. Who has come to Tarvalon, Elida is the person that Rand met, who was the advisor to Queen
2: Morghese. Who just, like, hated him for no reason. Yeah, and
0: Rand had to escape from him.
2: Well, oh, Her. she we we thought she hated him for no reason, but now we know that she's Red Aja, so she just hates him because she's the guy. He's the, <laughs> right, he's the man. because Red Aja hates men. Apparently. But she goes back, and because Elida
0: has the foretelling, she knows he's a Taverin. Right. And she goes back and says, there's this really dangerous Taverin, which she's right about. Yes. And I was about to deal with them, but then Moraine came in and it spirited him away uh, without telling anybody what was, what was going on. Which again is true. Yeah, I mean, like that, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. And Moraine is off, sort of doing her own thing, like outside she, of the she rules takes of him to,
2: to the 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 bad land, the blight, yeah, or whatever. she Takes him to the blight. <laughs> that seems like not something that the 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 Tarvalon tar- yeah. folks would be real happy about. So this is this has gotten back to
0: Tarvalon and it's causing. Probably a lot of problems for Moraine, because cause she's off the reservation. She's doing crazy stuff. Right. So, the Amaralan seat talks about how the, her, her authority is shaky, because there's lots of political trouble in tar because there's lots of trouble in the world altogether. Right. Uh, and everything's kind of falling apart. Uh, and it's this sort of stiff, formal conversation, but then the Amaralan seat sends the Keeper of the Chronicles away, who's the only other person in the room. Uh, and turns out the Ammerlin seat and Moraine are in it together. Whatever yeah, Moraine's doing, yeah, that's the end of that chapter. Uh, I,
2: I also want to mention that. Okay, so we know that there are a couple of uh, Aes in that in the prologue chapter uh, that were given instructions, right? Yeah, and we also know that during the the voting on what to do with Moraine. Uh, several of the Aes in the council, or what, for what they call it, the... The hall of something, right? Yeah. The hall of the tower? Yeah. Uh, several of them voted in unexpected ways. That's right. Yeah,
0: the, the greens voted with the reds.
2: Which is, you know, I wonder if that might be the result of a, uh, of an order from the Dark One, because, you know, Ooh, we don't know. yeah. We, yeah we it could know. be, it could be. They do threaten to
0: send Moraine to a farm.
2: Which to are, be to be in the 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 under the control of the Red Aja.
0: Yeah, which I guess going and working on a farm is how they punish Aes Sedai who are I mean, bad.
2: It's a pretty pretty, pretty bad. good
1: punishment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I
2: mean, like if you're an Aes Sedai and you're, you can use your magic to oh well, I don't, I don't think they
0: let them do that. Yeah, it's like a it seems like a self punishment thing because couldn't they just magic their way away and go do their own thing?
2: But you know, then then they'll uh, be stilled. We heard that word for the first time in this chapter. Yeah, they'll know. be stilled. Yeah. I, is that the same as gentling? I don't know. I believe it is.
1: Yeah, yeah. Lose yeah. The, their power.
2: So men are gentled and women are stilled? hmm Huh. Okay.
0: All right. So that's it for this episode of The Dragon We Red. Next time we're going to cover chapters five through eight of The Great Hunt, book two of The Wheel of Time. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter.
1: I'm Alice Sullivan.
0: And I'm Micah Sparkman. Please give us good reviews uh, on whatever service you got this from. Uh, Please share us with anybody you think will like us, and and please like us in real life. We're very likable. Yeah. Uh, Until next time, the the light light illuminates you.